0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: we will with me in the book of Judges chapter 7. We're going to go to a familiar story, and uh, I'm going to believe the Lord to just have left us some handfuls of purpose tonight in this familiar story of a man that we know as Gideon, And I'm just going to jump right into the middle of this story and uh, pray that the Lord will just let his word be life to us and strength to us. The book of Judges 7 and 15. The Bible says, And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshiped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that. As I do, so shall you do. When I blow the trumpet and all that are with me, then... Blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and, and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands. And the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And with that, tonight, I want to just remind everybody in this house and whoever may hear this message that we have what we need. We have what we need. No matter how meager it may seem to us we truly have what we need. Yes. Amen. You you can be seated in Jesus' name. The sixth and the seventh chapter of, of the book of Judges reveals to us the story of Gideon. And uh, I, I just want to be very honest with you. I never tire of reading this story or hearing it talked about. Uh, I, I've enjoyed today just revisiting these scriptures again and Letting the Lord breathe some new life even into me. God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. And I think one of the things that perhaps draws me to this particular passage of scripture and to this particular Bible character is just the innocence and the honesty where we find Gideon portrayed not only his self-betrayal, but the portrayal perhaps of others around him because he was a very common man and I'm going to tell you, if heaven has room for common people, then I'm going to be right at home. Amen. But if the uncommon are not welcome, I probably don't stand a chance. I'm thankful for common common people having room to work within the kingdom of God. When, when the scripture calls Gideon, or even the Lord called him, a mighty man of valor, that seems sort of complimentary unless you know the story of Gideon because we have to realize that indeed at this particular moment that Gideon was neither a mighty warrior nor was he a great military commander of any sort. He was just a farmer, a common man, that was hiding his crop from the Midianites who had conquered Israel. He was just trying to look out for himself and for his own. He was doing what many of us, if not most of us, would be doing. He was hiding behind the wine press, the scripture says, while threshing his wheat. And it was at that particular place while he was trying to do what was in the best interest of him and his family and those about him. And while he was in true fear of his life, and if we had been right there, we would probably be doing the very same thing. Amen. The Lord, the angel of the Lord came to him. While Gideon was not prepared at that moment to take the reins, uh, of, of some great army, uh, I don't think it's fair to always paint Gideon out as just a cowardly man because he may have had fear in his heart, but I'm going to underline that again. I think the average person in that scenario... Would, be have, would have the same emotions coursing through his veins that Gideon would have had. If we were to put ourselves there, the greatest among us, if we were to put ourselves there, there is certainly room for doubt, there's room for question, there's room for faith being shaken. Gideon was a man that was really leading a common life, a simple life, much like you and me just living day to day, kind of doing his own thing, minding his own business, God was providing for him his needs such as they were. And I feel like that I'm safe in saying that, they, that Gideon was just going about his daily routine, never once thinking about that he would be the man that would deliver Israel from the Midianites. He had no power within himself. He didn't have any warfare ability. He had no tactical skills. He was just a common man that God had pulled out of a common scenario and said, I am going to use you mightily." I want to tell you tonight that we have what we need. We have what we need. He had no education when it came to the use of weaponry. He had no skills when it, would come, when it would come to leading men or calling men to a battle. He didn't have any background in anything that God was about to use him in. He was just a common man doing the best that he knew how. But there was one single thing that kind of called uh, Gideon out of the group or out of the pact, so to speak. And that's something that I, I know I've mentioned quite a bit lately, but I just want to say it again. I believe the outstanding characteristic of Gideon was his availability to the will of God and to the moment and the timing. He was a man that was available. He wasn't a man that was called. He wasn't a man that was prepared. He wasn't a man that was well-versed in anything that God was about to ask him and use him to do. But he just was standing there with empty hands, willing in his heart. And God saw that. He saw in him something that others could not see. God saw that Gideon was nothing in his own eyes as perhaps, well, in the eyes of others around him, just that common man. Gideon was the least likely of all of his brethren since he even said that he was the least of his tribe. I'm reminded of the words of Paul when he spoke to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians one twenty-six and 27. Paul said, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things which are. And here in verse 29 is the commentary or the explanation of everything that was just said. He said that no flesh would glory in his presence. When God gets through, he doesn't want us jumping up on our perch and talking about what we have done. But he wants to make sure that when it's all said and done, no one will get the glory but him. God's view of who is useful in the kingdom, I think, is very different from our own. I couldn't help but to think about David and his own family being overlooked by his own father, his brothers, and those that knew him when Samuel came looking for someone to anoint to be the king of Israel. Sometimes we're looking for the most talented or we're looking for those who are influential or perhaps we're looking for those who are great orators and we think, well, they would be able to do a great job and God could use them mightily. But you see, God knows exactly where he needs to plug someone in i've said this many times about and especially sometimes in preparation for our our uh, our mission services when we have missionaries visit us you know sometimes we measure uh, the worth of a sermon by how well someone spoke or how well their presentation was or we may measure that by their grammar or we may we may measure that by how impacted someone is or how many times people stood on their feet and things of that nature because, you see, that's what we relate to in North America. To us, that's what constitutes, and I'm not not trying to be too shallow here, but that's what kind of constitutes a good message. Someone uh, had a good presentation. They had a good pulpit presence. They connected all the dots, and it all made sense in the end. But you see, God, sometimes in other countries, it's not how we do it in North America that would even work. They wouldn't even be able to relate to the things that we would relate to, and so sometimes we have a, we may we may have a missionary who comes to speak, and maybe maybe the shingles didn't ruffle on the building while he was preaching. Maybe nobody no, nobody got up and ran the aisles, but we can't say, "Well, I don't know what they're doing." I don't know what they're doing full time in this. But you see, God knows exactly the characteristics. The nature of someone and he can use them to do perhaps more in that particular region of the world than he could use someone like me to do in that particular region of the world and so God looks for certain things we look for certain things but God sees certain things and qualities in a person and so I just want to tell you tonight that we have what we need whatever we need that God would use us or whatever capacity he would use us in we have that he's going to make sure that we have that you may not be in possession of all that you need right now, but God has that ability to give to us at that particular time. And so God just looks again for that willingness. He looks for that vessel that's willing to be broken and powerless without him. Many of you know in, in recent weeks that uh, Brother Carol Magruder uh, passed away and uh, uh, several years ago his wife Priscilla and passed away. Both of them uh, died of cancer and And uh, I was reminded of something during uh, the last few days and weeks of Brother Magruder's life. Uh, Years ago when the Magruder's were at the apex in the gospel singing world and they were traveling all over the country and their songs were and still are uh, very, very popular on radio stations. I I was reminded that uh, it was said that Priscilla Magruder would never go on stage to sing unless she had one hour of prayer prior to going on stage one hour of prayer even at the apex of their fame so to speak at the apex of their success they realized that what we have to have is the anointing of God this is not about talent they were incredibly talented people some of the greatest songwriters not not just singers but some of the greatest songwriters of all time many many songs will will echo through the ages from where God has taken their ability and used them, but they realize that if we're going to do anything of any eternal consequence, then we're going to have to be broken before the Lord. Sister Boyd and I had the privilege to meet them a few years ago and and forge a friendship with them and we feel very humbled by that uh, just to be able to, to sit in their presence and to realize what God has done in their life and they had a very direct impact upon us in our lives and I'm thankful for that. I want to I want to rub shoulders with people like that. Amen. I want, to, I, want to hook, I want to hook my wagon to something like that because I want to realize that, that here are people that realize that we have what we need, but it's only in the Lord. And so God is not going to share his glory with anybody. God's going to use those that are powerless to take the credit when it's all said and done and point at us or put our name on the billboard, so to speak. No man can say they have ever done anything of eternal consequence outside of God. If need be, God will wait. He'll allow us to drain ourselves of all of us, all of our resources, all of our strength, all of everything. He will wait till we come to the end of ourselves, And when we've done all that we can do, then God can step in. And remind us that he just needs the vessel. He just needs an empty vessel. He doesn't need me to fill in any of the blanks. He doesn't need me to punctuate any of the sentences. He just needs a vessel to use. And so God used these earthen vessels. I'm thankful that he uses earthen flesh. Aren't you? Because of that, we're able to do something ourselves for the kingdom. It's imperfect According to Scripture, this flesh is even destined to go right back to the dust from which it came. But He will use this flesh to perform His will. He's placed in us His Spirit, His power, and we're held captive. We're held captive by His eternal glory and power. According to Judges 7 and 16. Gideon's army of 300 men. If you remember the story, it started out with thousands of men. God said, that's too much, too much, too much, and, and kept on until they were just down to 300 men. But in Judges 7, 16, we find that these 300 men were now divided into groups of 100. Then they were given a trumpet. 300 men were going to be blowing a trumpet all at one time. That would signal to the enemy that there was going to be more than just one trumpeter coming, or there would just be more than one person. Trumpets, of course, if, if we could liken it to uh, our day, or at least uh, the history of America, were like bugles, and uh, it was used to signal an attack. It was, it was used to say there's a lot of people that are coming your way, and uh, according to some biblical historians, it was commonplace for the sounding of a trumpet to signify that there were at least 1,000 men coming. 1,000 men. In some cases, it could even mean more. And so with this in mind, the Midianites could just imagine that there were not just 300 men coming, but that there were 300 companies of men that were coming. And so God uh, had devised a plan to trick, if you please, uh, the, the Midianites. God, I think, has given all of us the ability, a trumpet, He's given all of us that trumpet that we can sound. We're given a voice. Everybody here has a voice. And everybody here that has the Holy Ghost tonight has a testimony of of where God has brought you from and that redemption process. And so if we've got a trumpet in our hand, Every one of us have the ability to reach somebody with our own personal testimony. And I will say it one more time, that nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. No one knows where God has brought you from or what he's done in your life. And I'm not just talking about 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but what God has done in your life today or yesterday or last week. And no one can tell our story like we can tell our story. And so God has given us a voice All of us can speak up. Each of us have been anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so we have within us, the ability to call heaven's power to defeat the enemy. I want to tell you something that Satan fears anybody that understands any measure of the concept of prayer. You may not consider yourself a mighty prayer warrior, but if you know anything about the power of prayer, Satan fears a person who knows how to pray. Amen. I, I don't think it really matters if you're sitting to pray, kneeling to pray, standing to pray, walking to pray, if we know how to get a hold of God. Amen. The enemy knows the power of prayer. Second Corinthians 10, the Bible says in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And here's a very important line. Don't leave this out when you're reading this. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to tell you that there are many of us, if not all of us, on several occasions that things cross our mind that have no business being on our mind. And it's right then that I've got to hold that scripture and say, I am going to bring that thought into captivity. I am not going to let that run. I'm not going to let that ramble. It's not just going to hang out in my mind. It's not going to pull up an easy chair and find a place of comfort. I'm going to rebuke that. Amen. Is this all right? I'm just going to rebuke that thought. I'm going to bring that into captivity. I'm going to arrest that by the power and the authority of the Lord. Now, if I were to ask for a show of hands tonight, anybody here that's ever had a bad thought, I wonder how many hands would go in the air. I see some back there raising both hands. Thank you for your honesty. Sure. Sure. Amen. And even those that didn't raise their hand have had bad thoughts. And even those that wish right now I'd move on to another subject have had evil thoughts. Amen. You put on your Sunday best and be as pious as you want to be, but we've all had things that crossed our mind that had no business being there. And so we had to move that out. You had to, you had to move that out. You see, sometimes if you leave the door open, too long, unwanted things come in. Amen. And uh, welcome home. And so the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. We can't win this battle on our own. We need the power and the presence of the Lord. Amen. They're spiritual in nature. And so with our flesh, we can't conquer that. But with His power, we can. We have the Word of the Lord. The Scripture says sharper than any two-edged sword. So when you have nothing else to say, just pull out this and start reading this. When you don't know what to pray... Pray the word. When you don't even have the words to put together in a sentence that would even make a logical or legible prayer, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray the word. I'm going to pray the word. Why? Because this word can can bring the enemy's devices and render them ineffective. We have the shield of faith, the scripture says, to stop the fiery darts that will come against us. That's what we were warned of. Amen. No weapon in the arsenal of Satan's power is effective against the shield of faith. I'm thankful for the shield of faith, the word of God. Amen, they're just extinguished. Here's what Isaiah had to say about it. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou, in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. No weapon, no weapon formed against can prosper. But you see, God will not place spiritual weapons in the hands of carnally-minded people. Because if he does, they will for sure abuse them. Amen. So God chooses to use those that are totally surrendered to him. And so I want to be totally surrendered. God chooses to use those that understand the frailty of their flesh Versus the power of his anointing. In me, there is no good thing. But by the power and the grace of God, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. God has always taken the frailty of flesh and used that flesh to do mighty things. He, used, he chooses to use those who understand that it's not by might, as Paul said, nor by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. But if we have, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4 7 that we have a treasure, but here's the caveat it's in an earthen vessel. We have this great treasure, the power of the Holy Ghost, but it is in an unpredictable vessel. Amen. But he said, here's why that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so I'm gonna put something powerful in something imperfect because I want the powerful to get the credit and not that imperfect vessel to get the credit. Let's look and, and see what Gideon does next in this, in this very familiar story. He handed them an empty pitcher now made of clay in the other hand. And inside of this pitcher, the, the scripture says that he placed a lamp or a torch, if you please. And so when the time was right, He said, we're going to strike our pitchers against one another. And when we do, we're going to cause, obviously, quite a noise, quite a commotion, 300 vessels, earthen vessels all coming together. When that happened, not only was there going to be a great noise, but there was going to be a great light, a light that would come forth from that. And that was done to confuse the Midianites, and it certainly did. They also knew that not every soldier would carry a torch. There would only be just a few men that would be lighting the way. They would be carrying the light for those that were bringing the swords and the, the spears and whatever. and never dreamed that every man would have a, a, a torch. Only a few would be doing that. And so the point that I want to remind us of this evening is this. That in these vessels, in these earthen vessels, God has put the light of His power, His Spirit in us. Amen, if you've got the Holy Ghost and you're not ashamed of that tonight, I want to tell you that you've got the power, the light of this gospel in your life. Amen. That's a there's a there's a spiritual principle really that is shared in this act because God breaks the hardness. He breaks the shell. And when he breaks the shell, the light can shine forth. And so if we can allow our flesh, that vessel, that clay to be broken, then God can allow his spirit to shine forth in us if we can be broken in his sight. God's power always flows from the inside out. I mean that's the testimony of what God can do, not just in a few lives, but in every life. Whether we realize it or not, we shine light wherever we go. Somebody's watching. Somebody I don't mean that to be critical or that somebody is being critical or or somebody's looking at us with a microscopic eye so to speak, but we do shine a light. Our testimony speaks. Someone uh, realizes that, that there's something different. Many people tonight would testify of this, that people have have said something to you akin to this. There's just something different about you. They weren't being critical. There really is something different. That difference is the spirit and the power and the presence of God. If I could say it this way, the difference is light. Light in a dark world. Just simple light. And so the light shines forth. And when the light comes, the darkness flees. The Bible speaks of resisting the devil and he will flee from us. And that's true, James 4 and 7. We often just quote that part of the verse, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But I believe the power of that verse is found in the sentence that precedes that. It's not just resist the devil and he'll flee from you, but that power comes from the beginning of that verse which says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so the power of that, the overcoming power is not within our strength, not within us, but the, uh, the, the power is the ability to submit. Submission is the key to being used of God. Many people want to be used of God, but they want it on their terms. They would like to be used of God, but it, here's the plan. Here's how I want you to use me, but submission is the key. And so I want to tell you tonight that whatever God asks of you, we have what we need to accomplish that. He will make sure that he doesn't send us into the battle unarmed. He would not send us into the battle without everything that we need. If we turn to Judges 7, our attention to Judges 7 and 17, I want us to carefully look at these two verses because Gideon gives some real specific instructions here. He said unto them... Now, before I read this, let me go back. I want to remind you of the man hiding. I want to remind you of the man that was trying to stash away his food and his crop and remind you of the man that was hiding behind the wine press. I want to remind you of, of that man who felt so insecure and so unsure about his own ability. That was the man that we met in this story. Am I right? Now, listen. This same man, He said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow a trumpet, I and all that are with me, or when these hundred men that are with me, when they blow the trumpet, then you blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, the Sword of the Lord and of Gideon. this is the same man that just mere uh, scriptures ago verses ago was saying who who me. You're, you have got the wrong person. I, surely you have not, uh, surely it's not me and now God has already begun. You see, stripping away, let me go back in the story and remind you that it started out with thousands but God kept stripping away, stripping away, stripping away and this did not, he did not do this to, to, to destroy the confidence of Gideon. As a matter of fact, the more the Lord stripped away, apparently the more confident that Gideon become in the power of his God. But he realized that if we're going to accomplish this, you've got to have a vessel. And that vessel apparently is me. And so Gideon was not some egotistical maniac. He was not somebody high on the fumes of his own success. But somewhere he reached down inside and looked at those men around him and said, You watch me. And whatever I do, that's what you do. When you blow the trumpet, and when I blow the trumpet, and the men that are with me blow the trumpet, then you start blowing the trumpet. I, I believe that it's an absolutely important that we understand this that no matter how uh, fragile we may feel or no matter how insufficient we may feel and we no matter what we think God has taken away from us God doesn't take away without putting something back in and sometimes we only look at what we're losing and not what's coming back to us and I say Lord thank you for what you're putting in this man Gideon because if you're doing it for him you're doing that for me You see, nobody should make a move without his direct order. That was what he was saying. Their success was going to be fully dependent upon the obedience to God's commands to Gideon. Our victory, I believe, in working for the Lord is also completely dependent upon absolute obedience to the plan of God. And so if, if we are to build the church I'm talking about the body if we are to build the church and it has to be under God's direction. If we're going to accomplish anything, then it is going to have to be God's way. And so we had better be in tune with the Spirit of the Lord. If it's got to be God's way, we better make sure that we are reading that spiritual blueprint correctly. Because if not, we're going to find ourselves facing defeat. But God's plan will never fail. The Bible says in Psalms 127 and 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You see, it's not really the man with a hammer in his hand that's building the house. And it's not really the watchman on the wall that's keeping the house. But it is the power of God that is sustaining. Finally, we've got to take note of what the army of Gideon was to shout After they broke their picture. The scripture says they were to shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And I think it's important that we read that correctly. Because it doesn't say now when we get there you shout the sword of Gideon and of the Lord. But he said it's the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Gideon was very careful that he didn't put his name above the Lord's name. He knew that it was God's sword and God's battle and it was ultimately God's victory. But he wanted, and he wanted God to receive that, that, that glory. But Gideon's name was added. And if you know the story of the scripture, you know that those in the, in the camp of the Midianites had already heard the name of Gideon. And so Gideon wasn't inserting his name here to get a little glory. But in that dream, they had already heard. In the, in the dream and in, in the things that God had prepared for them, they had already heard the name of Gideon. And God allowed the spirit of fear to be set loose in the enemy's camp. And so the name Gideon was going to be very significant in this this defeat. And so the Midianites had been talking about the dream that God had given them. And in that dream, the scripture says that a barley cake had rolled down the hill and destroyed a Midianite camp. The Midianites were a very superstitious people. And immediately they interpreted the dream to mean that the army of Gideon was going to utterly destroy them. Which we know in truth was how it was. But... What they thought the army of Gideon was going to be was thousands and thousands of men, not just 300 men. That dream, that dream would certainly come true because God, again, had allowed fear to spread in the enemy's camp. And then Gideon's name was called and panic struck the enemy's camp because they knew that the dream was coming true. God's plan for battle was aided by the fact that God knows and controls the, the actions of our enemy. They could not stand against his power. And so it happens with those who love the Lord and whose lives are under the anointing and the directing power of the Holy Ghost. How often we hear of great men and women of faith who have been used of the Lord mightily. As a matter of fact, just while we were away, uh, one of the the pastors shared with me a, a story that I want to share with you now. Many years ago, he was preaching for another. When He was much younger in his ministry then, and, but he was evangelizing. He and his wife were evangelizing, and they were preaching a revival in Dallas. And uh, he said that the pastor, he said, I, I've never really met a man that had a walk with God like this man. I, I've never met before or since really anybody that was unique, and he described many other characteristics uh, that, that I, I won't go into tonight. But he said that he was a very prayerful, very, very prayerful man and, uh, and had a unique walk with the Lord. And he said one day they were getting ready to go to lunch and so they, they sat down in the vehicle and they got ready to leave and he said the man just started praying. and said, now Lord, where would you have us go and eat lunch today? See, you know, we would almost get cynical right here, wouldn't we? We'd have to push that back a little bit. And so in a few minutes, he, he just sat there and he said, in a few minutes, he just said, okay, okay, Lord. He looked over and he said, we're going to go to such and such restaurant to eat because there's a woman we're going to meet, <coughs> meet there that's going through a divorce and she needs us to pray for her. So they went to the restaurant, they ordered her food, they sat down at the table in a few moments, a lady came walking up and sat at the table next to them. And the pastor looked over at her and said, How are you doing today, ma'am? And tears began to come down her cheeks. She said, I'm not doing so well. And She confessed to them at that table. She said, I'm, I'm going through a divorce and, and I'm having a real hard time. And he said, I know you are. And God sent us here to have prayer with you today. And they prayed with her in that restaurant. It's really quiet, isn't it? God uses people mightily. Mightily. We hear that great, tremendous faith where not only situations like this, maybe one-on-one, but other, other instances where just multitudes of people are healed or filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. or miraculous things are done. They were delivered by the hand of God, the power of God. But here is the whole key, God needs a vessel to use, a vessel to use. And I'm thankful that God still speaks, and I'm very grateful that men and women still listen. Here's the challenge that is before us tonight. That the enemy's tactics are not so much sinful in nature as they are distracting. In nature. Because the greatest enemy that we face, you know what? The, one of the greatest obstacles we have as a church is distractions, busyness, busy. Just busy, 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 busy. And I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying that is, that's really where we are. There's not a person hardly in this room. With very few exceptions, maybe, I would say. That doesn't have more to do than you have time to do it. You're stretched beyond yourself, as you sit in this house right now. And God's still speaking. And so the question is, are we still listening? Has the noise of life been amped up to the point that we no longer listen or hear the voice of God? You see, we need his anointing upon our lives. When the seven sons of Sceva attempted to cast out devils without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the demons answered them in this fashion in Acts 19. It's in your Bible. The Bible says the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Are you ready for this? And Paul I know. But who are ye? And so it wasn't just angelic power that hell recognized, but it was fleshly power that hell recognized. That is the point that I want to underline here today. Jesus I know. Well, of course they would know Jesus. But here is the hope that we have. Not in that utterance, Jesus I know, but our hope comes on this next level, and Paul I know. But who are you? And so I would submit to everybody in this house, that you could take out the name Paul and just put a blank there and you could write your name in that blank. Am I right? (laughs) I believe that. The evil spirit said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? The demons knew Paul, not because Paul was such a great man, But it was because he realized that it's not by might nor by power. It's it's not a name itself that's going to mean anything. It's the name of Jesus that will mean everything. And so when we speak God's will and God's word, when we do it God's way, then all the power of hell has to stop. Because we have the power of heaven on our side. And and you've heard it a million times. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we have the power of God. And that light has been placed in an earthen vessel. He placed a trumpet in our hand to give us a voice to speak. To teach, to preach the message of salvation to whosoever will. God has given his word to us. The sword of his word to us. What a great weapon we have in our hand. And then we have one responsibility and that is to break this vessel of clay and let God do something with us. We can just stand, the musicians, if you want to just stay, that's all right. We'll just do it different tonight and throw everybody off. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 20 and 11, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, My persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. (laughs) Let's do that again. The Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, because of this, My persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Their everlasting confusion, the word confusion, isn't that what we find in the Midianite camp? They were confused, plain and simple. They thought thousands were coming when only hundreds were really on their way. And it was a spirit of confusion in the camp. I'm going to tell you that God can go before us. He can go before us. He is our strong and mighty tower. We have everything that we need. We have our testimony. We have a vessel that that, that the Spirit of God is in. We have the Spirit of God. We have what we need. I'm thankful for the net. Amen. Would you lift your hands and can we thank Him for that tonight together? I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the strength of your spirit. I thank you for the hope that we find in you. The realization that it's not us. It is not our hands. It's not going to be our abilities or talents or skills. But God, it will just be men and women that will just avail themselves and find themselves broken at the foot of the cross and will say, not my will, but thy will be done. And so I pray tonight, God, for every Gideon that is in this house and every Gideon that will hear this message. Let something be empowered in us. Let something be imparted into us tonight to realize that you will go before us and strengthen our hands in this day. In Jesus' name, isn't it great to be in church tonight? Amen. May the Lord bless you. Why don't you greet one another? Amen. Hug their neck. You don't know that might be the person that prays a prayer.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 AM and our Wednesday night service at 730 P.M. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.